Welcome to Obstinate Headstrong Girls. I'm Amy. And I'm Jessica. And we are two friends talking about romance novels. Yeah, we are. Specifically today, we are talking about Bet Me by Jennifer Cruzy, which, um, if you listen to our first episode, was the first romance novel I read. Um, and so that was sort of the catalyst for talking about it this week, because we wanted to dig into something that I, well, I, selfishly, I wanted to dig into something that I loved, and then I wanted to hear Jessica's take on it. Yeah. So I'm glad we picked this one. Yeah. So we do have one item to catch up on from last week, and that is our dares from the end of our episode. And yeah. so how did you do with your dare to cook something you'd never cooked before? So I loosely interpreted it as eating something that I've never eaten before. Perfect. <laughs> and I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but delicata squash oh i don't i've never heard of that um and it had an anduja vinaigrette with like a greek yogurt sauce on it it was really delicious so did it come from a restaurant yeah it did um from when i was visiting my sister and brother-in-law so very good i might try to recreate it we'll see um it the one we ordered from the restaurant had garlic in it which i think you know that I can't eat garlic so it was a disappointment but otherwise very delicious and I'm excited to try it again um but then kind of a little spoiler I did pick a recipe that I've never made before so I'm going to try that this week because I've never made chicken marsala Ooh, and that is such like (laughs) like (laughs) I didn't even notice the first time I read the book but now that I've read it multiple times I'm like these people are too obsessed with chicken marsala (laughs) And I do love it, but like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were going to mention it once and then maybe branch out to other Italian food. No. no. <laughs> Very specifically <laughs> one Italian food. Yeah. Italian food in this one kind of salad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, my, yeah, so how was your dare? My dare was to, um, to ask for what I want at work, right? Is that the wording mm-hmm. of it, right? Like to... yeah. I had a convo scheduled with my boss and it went very well. And I felt like I have a very good boss, which makes it easier to have conversations like that. But I felt like I got to have like a good, like career growth conversation, which was nice. That's awesome. That's always good. Yeah. So we thought a fun way to kind of jump into talking about these books would be to pull out a sentence that like either encapsulated something about the book or was just fun or made us think and kind of lead off with that sentence. And so Jess, do you have your sentence from Bet Me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Bet Me, I feel like is pretty embodied by this conversation. um, And we'll get into these characters in a minute between Minerva and her friend, uh, Liza. She says, right, that's all garbage. You don't need a theory. You just have to be practical, figure out what it is you want in her man, and then find out, find one who has those things, make a plan, stick to it, and just don't get distracted. And her friend Liza rolls her eyes and says, or you could just fall the fuck in love. I feel like that just kind of embodies the whole book of like two adults that need to get out of each their own way. Yes, very much so. Um, My sentence was, Evidently, great food was an antidote to rage and, humu- and humiliation. Good to know for the future. 
<laughs> and I felt like that was another kind of through line in the book is that like great food can fix so many problems. And I believe that to my soul. Oh my gosh. Yes. I was grumpy earlier today and then I had a taco and now <laughs> then I felt better. <laughs> oh, tacos are a miracle food. They really are. <sighs> can I get my runner up passage? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's Min- Minerva's mom, Min's mom. She said, if you're wearing cotton lingerie, you'll feel like white cotton and you'll act like white cotton and white cotton cannot get a man, nor can it keep one. Always wear lace. And that just made me laugh. <laughs> Pretty much everything Nanette, who is the, the main female character's mom, says is hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So do you want to give a high level summary? Yeah. Do you care if I cheat and just read the back of the book? That could probably, that would probably make it easier for people to know what the actual summary is instead of just things we remember about it. (laughs) Minerva Dobbs knows that happily ever after is a fairy tale, especially with a man who asked her to dinner to win a bet. Even if he's gorgeous and successful, Calvin Morrissey. Cal knows commitment is impossible, especially with a woman as cranky as Min Dobbs, even if she does wear great shoes and keep him on his toes. When they say goodbye at the end of their evening, they cut their losses and agree never to see each other again. But fate has other plans, and it's not long before Min and Cal meet again. Soon they're dealing with a jealous ex boyfriend. Krispy Kreme donuts, a determined psychology, chaos theory, a freakishly intelligent cat, chicken marsala, and more risky propositions than either of them ever dreamed of, including the biggest gamble of all, true love. See, that's a better summary than I would have come up with. Yeah, I would have been like two adults fall in love and he might have a thing for toes. (laughs) (laughs) There's a foot thing, there's a food thing, there's a donut thing. Yeah. All of these things are happening. <laughs> yeah. So when I was researching it, it's an award winner. Is it? From the romance. Um, I don't know what the other letters stand for, but in 2005, it won, won a romance award, novel award. And it was written in 2004. And <laughs> I think it's like a funny time capsule of things that happened then that would be extinct just a few years later. Yeah. Um, like clear plastic shoes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be one. Um, barrettes in your hair um, yeah. to hold back your hair. There was um, a scene where Cal needs to get a hold of Min, and it's stated that they both have cell phones, but mm-hmm. they apparently didn't exchange numbers. And so he calls her company switchboard and asks to be connected to her desk, mm-hmm. which I think if, if like, a dude did that right now you'd be like oh I need to go and get and get it like a restraining order mm-hmm. and then we'll never talk again and this was weird right like <laughs> you would never think that that was like a good idea you could even make it to a company switchboard that would connect you to an employee these days right yeah that's yeah. true too that probably wouldn't work yeah do you have a heat scale rating for this book? Okay, so we said one was like holding hands, five being um, a lot of 
penetrative or non-penetrative sex scenes throughout the book. I don't know why I worded it that way, but you're welcome. <laughs> it was not a good enough reason to use penetrative. I feel assaulted by your language. Um, no, but yeah, I don't know. it was technically accurate. Yeah. I don't yeah, just need to think about my choices for a minute. Anyway, <laughs> um, I would say it was like a three. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. You know, some steamy kiss scenes, one true sex scene, um, but just flirtation um, and longing glances throughout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think to, for me, this book has more swoon than sexiness to it. Mm-hmm. And that that's not to say there is no, like there is still sexiness, but it leans harder towards swoon worthy moments, I think versus sexy moments yes yeah like um it's like emotional sexiness is that what swooning <laughs> is <laughs> i think it is yeah yeah so i've been waiting and i, I when you told me you cast cal I, mm-hmm. I wanted to know who it was and i wanted you to tell me right away but now i like I'm so excited i okay so i first read this book eight years ago and I only know like it was eight and a half years ago because I I read it on a work trip and I know when that work trip was so like I actually know in time the first time I read a romance novel um which you would think is a fun fact you wouldn't ever need in life and then you start a podcast and you're like nope now it's relevant (laughs) um and I had a very hard time casting these characters because I hadn't and I've read it so many times that I have a very clear image of them that isn't necessarily a specific like actor or actress um and so I spent like multiple days trying Mm -hmm. to figure out who these different characters would be and for Cal I landed on Zachary Levi Zachary Levi do you have a mental picture no I need to find it so he basically in so the last thing I saw him in is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, where he briefly plays Midge's love interest. Oh and my he's gosh. the doctor. Good job. Yes. And so my thought in like trying to cast this is that he needs to be like unreasonably attractive. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this, it needs to be someone who like oozes suave and is in good shape and is like you would just look at and be like oh it's gross how good looking you are right like I'm offended by how good looking you are um and so I was like struggling with that because it 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 didn't read to me as like a jockish type of good looking where like a lot of actors now it seems more athletic I don't know he didn't seem athletic to me and I think Zachary Levi is athletic but I let that go so I was thinking the same thing, like um, good looking, but not, I, in my head, I was thinking good looking, but not hunky good looking, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I proposed Brandon Roush, who has played Superman a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I landed with Army Hammer because it was like, oh, yeah, he's a good one because that's it was a really like, good one you're hot but also in a way that's not in your face hot but if you met him it would be distracting if you met him you would accidentally say the word penetrative 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and then wonder why. <laughs> you feel like this always happens. Don't worry about it. Like, oh, you strange girl. Yes. <laughs> um, All right. I need to try to forget these <laughs> because I keep kissing me laugh. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so which one do you want to keep? I think we uh I think Army Hammer is the best of the lot in that, but I, I think Zachary Levi is a strong choice. I mean he's very hot, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Who so did who, you pick for men? Here's my issue. Yeah. And I don't think that I actually have that much in common necessarily with men besides having a very rage filled energy about myself. Um but she has brown curly hair. I sometimes have brown curly hair. <laughs> She's mad at the world. I'm mad at the world. So I picture myself and that makes it very hard to cast someone else because then I'm like, oh, they're too pretty. They're too thin. They're too this or that. Um, and so. Wait, you don't have an actress that like if you are going to be in the movie, you'd know that would play you? No. Oh. Do you? Who's yours? Yeah. Drew Barrymore. Oh, that's so good. That is a good one. Like, it's a loose affiliation, but it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't have one. But I was trying to think through someone who, and it makes it difficult because of how thin Hollywood is. And this character is specifically voluptuous and curvy and beautiful. And that's not something that is celebrated enough and so I was like going through trying to think of different people. And this is going just based on looks alone. I'm picturing Adele. Adele a year ago. Okay. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like. And you do have to make that clarification. Right. And it, <laughs> right. Um, and it's, I mean, she like gorgeous, gorgeous face, gorgeous curves. Um, obviously she would need to have an American accent and be an actress. But I feel like she could pull it off. Yeah. Did did you ever watch Drop Dead Diva? I don't think Lifetime? so. Okay. So I cast Brooke Elliott from that. Um, and I think I was also casting a little bit of her personality from the TV show Drop Dead Diva, where she's an attorney um, and she's kind of a bitch. Um, mm-hmm. But then she realizes like being nicer is the best or better way to get things done okay i'm looking at a picture i think that is i see it and Mm -hmm. she's actually an actress so that would probably make it easier to cast her i mean but this is a dream world we already clarified you can cast people at any age (laughs) that is true too yeah i do think adele's really good so who do you want to keep out of the two Let's keep Adele. Okay. I think she could pull off mean probably a little bit better. I can see that. Like angry. I was just going to say, so those are our two kind of main leads, but there are sub romance plot lines throughout the rest of the book between um, Min's friends and Cal's friends. And so we also cast a few of those characters. And so Min has two friends and they make like a little threesome throughout the book. And it's Min, Bonnie, and Liza. 
And then Cal has two friends, Roger and Tony. And so they all end up kind of matching up and then have differing storylines throughout the book. And so Bonnie is, I was picturing someone that was like almost like doll pretty, like heart-shaped face kind of. Um, And so I went with Amanda Seafried. Shut up. I did, did too. Do- yes. What? <laughs> what? I yes. love that. Yeah, I did too. I, I don't know why. I think, oh, it's because the, when they're at the softball game and she said, I just know he's going to ask me to marry him probably in two weeks. I've already started planning our wedding in August. And um, they so did he tell you that? She goes, no, I just know. And for some reason, I was like, that's who it needs to be. Yeah, I think that was the scene I was thinking of, too, when I was casting that. And that's also, um, that scene is one of, like, a mini swoon moment for me. Because I love that, just, like, confidence. Oh, yeah. And, And like, he comes over. Yeah, and he just doesn't even blink. And he's like, of course I'm going to do that. And they've been together for, like, a couple of weeks at this point. But they were both, like, so sure about each other. That's one Mm -hmm. of the things I like about this book is it has really strong subplots. And so, like, you really care that, like, these two characters love each other and are going to stay together, even though they're not the main couple. Yes. Yeah. I loved that. Who did you have for him, though? So, for him, I put John Krasinski. Oh, I like that so much better than mine. (laughs) Which one's yours? I was kind of going for, like, that guy who's, like, Hollywood normal, where he's still hot. I had... Jake Johnson from New Girl. So kind of the same thing. Oh, yeah. Like I can see it. Um but I think John Krasinski could pull off this role a little bit better. Yeah. And I think part of the thing is like if you truly made a movie out of this, that would be a fairly minor character. Like her friends are more central to the storyline than his friends are. Um and so that made it kind of hard to cast because you know, the people you think of first and the most are all people who would like headline their own movie. Um, but no, I think John John Krasinski is a good one. I Jake Johnson to me strikes me as more of a potential Tony. Okay, so can I, Tony, I thought of more of a meathead. Is Jake Johnson not that? No, I, I was thinking think so. some, somebody kind of fratty. Oh, okay. And so I think that's why I was thinking that. So Tony is the third third guy in the friend group. And he's, yeah, Meathead, I think, is not an unfair way to say it. He's um, a little bit of a jock. He's a little, in, in my mind, kind of fratty, um, a little crass, very easygoing kind of life of the party kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so for him, I did Adam Pally, who... Um, I know him from Mindy Project and I've been re-watching Mindy Project, which is like a romance novel in a TV show and I love it. Um, yeah. And he he plays a doctor on that show that to like the energy of that is very similar to the energy of Tony. I went in a completely different way and picked like a beefy man. Okay. <laughs> um, Dominic Lombardozzi from oh. The Wire. So I know you'll pull it up and be like, what are you thinking? But the way I just felt like he was, they called him a lug at one point. So that's why I came up with him. 
I think we were casting at this point two very different movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just pulled this up. What is happening? I think also we're learning like we might have different taste in people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. Oh my God. That's funny. I, I like, mean, and I feel like it's it's taking two different things that were key about the character and we focused on different ones. But yeah. they're both valid. Yeah. So this is much more because he kept being like, do you want me to go punch someone? Or that's, yeah. I think, what I was uh, narrowing it on. But to fit it's... in with our cast, we should probably go with Adam Pally. Yeah, I think <laughs> the that's... cast a cohesive movie. <laughs> it would be kind of hilarious if we were casting a real movie and it was that other group of people in this guy. Um, which I think it like I could see him ten years ago fitting into it a little bit better too than him right now because he's a yeah. little bit older now than the rest of the people that we're casting. Yeah, I should clarify. I mean him from the wire when it was shot, so like probably yeah. ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the last of the female friend group is Liza, and she is a very protective person she's a very competent person um but she's also someone who kind of bounces around life a little bit right like she likes to change her surroundings it it mentions that she moves a lot she changes jobs a lot and that's by choice right like she she wants to be in a place a new place learning new things helping different people and um her main role i think in this story is to to kind of be that voice to men um that very protective why aren't you questioning what this guy is doing how can you be trusting him um and kind of she's the one trying to dig into the deeper motivations of the characters and force them to recognize them Mm -hmm. yeah she also hits cal upside the head with her purse every time he kisses men for like the first five times and if my friend did that to someone I was kissing, I think we might have a moment where we weren't friends for a little bit. I think that's probably true. Cause one, it would hurt your teeth. Yeah. Like, there's no way you wouldn't hurt your face. Yeah. And also if I want to kiss the wrong man, then that's my prerogative. I think that's true. I agree mm-hmm. with that. But it did come from a place of love. So I, I did write that in my notes too. Right. So who do you have for Liza? So I was thinking like almost famous Kate Hudson, like curly poof of hair, like free spirit kind of says what's ever on her mind. Yeah, I I like that a lot. And I struggled with this one a little bit. And I finally landed on Priyanka Chopra. And I feel like it's from watching her be a a lawyer in a show. I feel like she was. And like she just had that like cut through the bullshit type energy, but also super pretty. And so I went with her. Yeah. Also, I feel like she's fun and can party because she married a Jonas brother. That's true. Yeah. I would want to cast her just so that we could then meet their whole squad. Yes. Because then you get the Jonas Brothers, you get Sophie Turner. It's all good things happening in that part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. They seem like they have a good COVID bubble going on, too. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I like that one. Okay. That's a good choice. 
Did you cast anyone else? The only other one I did is Cynthia. And so there, she is Cal's ex-girlfriend and she's a psychologist and she's writing a book on love and her prerogative is to get married to Cal and have their wedding picture be the cover of this book that she's writing. And so she goes into all of these interactions very like analytically talking about relationships like there's something that can be very clearly defined. And she basically thinks that Cal is in love with her but just hasn't accepted it or realized it. And so she spends this book trying to use psychology to win him back. And um, Min's ex, David, is kind of her counterpart throughout this. Um, he broke up with Min for not sleeping with him and then essentially decides that he wants her back just because Cal wants her. He seems like the slimiest person in the book by far. He says the grossest things. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, and I didn't even I didn't even bother casting David because I didn't want to think about him that hard. But I cast Cynthia as Anna Camp um, from Pitch Perfect. Yeah. And she I just played, feel... She's good at that role. Yeah. I just feel like it's a very, it's a very put together, very like blonde Bob type role where it's just that person that has their whole life together, but on the inside, they have crazy eyes. Yeah. So I went very similar with Tahani from A Good Place. Nice. Yeah. Because I feel like she, in that show, she was very put together, but also said one insane things um, and had crazy eyes. That's 100% true. And I like that. Mm -hmm. I also cast Harry, the little boy. Um, oh, yeah. But just as Haley Joel Osment from The Sixth Sense. <laughs> so we would just need to time travel a little bit to get to him. Yeah, there were fine. a couple of mine that were time travel situations. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I don't know why, but as he was eating donuts and throwing up, I was like, yeah, that's Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> <laughs> so for the record, um, Tahani is played by Jamila Jamil. Jamila so Jamil. That's the actress there. And so I think one thing that is important about this and is the through part of this book is the the big trope, which is the bet. Mm -hmm. And so the very first kind of scene of the book are eight, six to eight main characters are all in a bar. The exes are there, all the friends are there. And Min and David have just broken up. Cal and Cynthia has, have recently broken up. She's there trying to get him back. David is there talking to Cal and his friends and being in a bad mood. And for, they don't really say why, uh, besides to say that Cal and his friends like to bet on things, um, that David bets Cal that he can't get Min into bed in a month. So you have a month to sleep with her. And Cal says, I don't want to make that bet. That's a really slimy thing to do. And um, the bet was going to be for $10,000. And instead he says, okay, well, I'll, I'll just say, I bet you can't leave with her for 10 bucks. And so Cal says, okay, I'll do that. Cause he wanted to leave anyway. And he goes down, picks up men and leaves. And 
Min has overheard them making this bet, but she only hears the part about going to bed. She doesn't hear the part about just leaving with her. And so when she leaves with him, she's thinking that he's made this super slimy, gross bet, which to me was one of the less believable moments in the book that she would leave with a person like who had just done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of her part of her goal was to punish him a little bit for having done that and like be a jerk at dinner with him. Um, and then it kind of becomes the lasting conflict throughout the book that this bet was made. He hasn't acknowledged it. She hasn't talked to him about it outright. Um, and then it kind of culminates at the end of the book, which is a month later with, you know, is the bet still on? Did you win or did you lose the bet? And that's kind of the the trope through line. And then there's mini bets throughout the book, mm-hmm. which I thought played well. Like they are silly, but I like them. Yeah, it. Um, you know, we read the book The Dare, and they really relied on the Dare as a plot device. This was just like part of his personality. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, it was interesting to see how both of the characters played through with it. Like he was looking for situations he could win kind of as an ego, like builder for him. And I, th- I think they tried to say it was because of his childhood that he liked betting. Um, and then she was so risk averse. Um, so it, it kind of, I felt like it played well and it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel clunky. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it allowed for some fun moments where she knows that he's making some of these bets and some of them are about her. And so she she has a moment where he invites her out to lunch and then she's like, I want 10 bucks. And he's like, why? And she's like, cause I assume you bet someone 10 bucks that you could get me on this lunch. And so like, she kind of turns it around on him and makes him, you know, acknowledge what it is they're doing, which I yes. thought was cute. I don't, so, and at the end, can we talk about this? We're, mm-hmm. We're a spoilers podcast. Yes. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. And I feel like there isn't that many spoilers in romance. There's a happy ending. Ah. That's not like, no, it's not coming. This ended really well for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So they, at the end, um, he tries to be gallant and not have sex with her until after the month time period of the bet is over. And it ends up with them, you know, having sex and they think they've not done it within the, they've done it outside the time frame. And then there's this whole parade of their friends and family, like almost through their bedroom. And David shows up with that check for $10,000 and they rip it up. Would you tear up the check for $10,000? Yeah, would, probably. Okay. If See, it I felt would just, like slimy sex money. Oh. It almost feels like getting paid to have sex, which... I don't know that I would feel good about that from like a character that gross. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like I would just keep it to be like, you're an idiot who made this bet and I'm winning this like whole situation because I've fallen in love with someone and now we got engaged with a donut. Yeah, I would potentially keep the check and like donate the money just so that like I could have the moral high ground of not having kept the money, but then still taking the money from him yeah i feel like that's a good compromise that is a good compromise for sure yeah but i thought there the bet played out nicely i feel like it's not a common trope but it's one you see often like i bet that you can't take this girl to prom or something like that 
yeah, that does tend to be a common catalyst. Because yeah, then she has it... a makeover, um, mm-hmm. which in a movie we would get to see her go shopping. Yes. It's fun. What I particularly liked about this makeover, it was a very body positive makeover. And this book has an interesting kind of relationship mm-hmm. with food and weight and body image. Um, and it's yeah. kind of all about how this main character who is curvy should love her body and love herself and have confidence in herself. Um, But then she has a a mother who constantly tells her that she's fat, that she can't fit into clothes she should fit into, that she should be dieting, that she shouldn't be eating. And so it's, there's definitely like body positive messaging in a whole, but it's showing you the other side of it too, which is as much as you want, as much as you try to own body positivity, there's going to be people in your life because our society is shit that go the other way with it and make you feel bad about yourself when you shouldn't. So when I opened the book and started reading and she starts talking about how she's fat and um, they haven't really hit on her body positivity yet and how she's mm-hmm. kind of on the fence. She's trying to figure life out and she has a lot of negative reinforcement about, you know, don't like yourself. I thought it was going to be a book where like the main character loses weight and meets and falls in love. And I was going to be like, no, I hate this book. Right. (laughs) So I was already um, stealing myself for, you know, a a book that was going to have a very tired theme. Yeah. Um, So it was a pleasant surprise when they, the message really is love your body. And and I was also then worried that when Cal was like, no, you just need to eat. Carbs are good for you. That he would have some weird fetish. There were all these moments where I got really nervous that it was going to play out poorly. And then um, the author executed on it super well. Um, it, and it was just like, no, you can eat and you can be healthy and you can use butter to cook and your meals will probably taste better. And look at all this that a different way you can experience life if you don't deny yourself things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I liked that he liked her the way she was without wanting to change her. It was more one her wanting her to embrace who she was and what she was mm-hmm. um, in a way that felt good. Right. It, it, it didn't leave you feeling like, Ugh, I wish that hadn't gone that way which mm-hmm. I feel like is a, it's like a really tight line to walk. Definitely. With that being said, I w- was also surprised that this was from 2004 because I feel like in 2004, we were still on the cusp of body more, not body shaming, but just like the character, the heroine's main quest is weight loss or like change right. myself to get into this relationship. Right. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's true. And I I like that by the end, so the mother is kind of the main voice for this idea of, you know, you don't look right the way you are, you need to change the way you are. And she goes so far as to like have a speech where she says, you know, the, the world is mean to women, and it's specifically mean to fat women. And I think that is true. Um, but it's one of those things where the the mom character, instead of saying we need to fight against that or we need to make sure that like what we put out in the world is the opposite of that, it's we need to conform our bodies to what people expect so that the world will be nicer to us. 
Um, and by the end of the book, I feel like there's a nice message of kind of coming around on that idea of, no, you should just surround yourself with the people that love you for who you are. And if there's people in the world that want to shame you or be mean to you because of who you are, how you look, you should cut them out, not change to please them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wrote down problematic parents. Yeah, <laughs> which both sets of parents in this book. Yeah, are. like that's another common romance theme, but especially with relationship to this kind of fat phobia and body positivity. Um, Nana, she's not wrong, like you said. You know, mm -hmm. the the world is can be cruel to women and fat women especially, but trying to conform to someone else's standards isn't the best way to go about it. Right. Mm -hmm. so did you have a, like a least believable moment like something that took you out of it a little bit like a, uh, I don't know if I think that would have happened it was pretty much any shoe description not that ooh, I didn't think it would happen it was just what decade are we talking about where she's wearing clear shoes with cherries on them mm -hmm. yeah I think that's fair it, for me, it was the amount of chicken marsala that was eaten was one thing. Yeah. Um, just because there's so many good Italian foods in the world that eating the same one multiple times a week and not in a leftover situation, in a I'm going to cook this again or order this again situation, it felt like too much. Yeah. I felt like the scaffolding was there to make the romance novel come together and you know you'd see them come together and they'd obviously be engaged and have chemistry with each other and then their emotions and their baggage would get in each other's way and they'd be like I can't but well, we can't do this and then they'd run away and you could see that that was part of it but I still didn't find it necessarily unbelievable yeah like no I think that's true and I think that's where one of the things we talked about when we talked about the dare was this idea of being okay with a certain level of things that aren't realistic and things that maybe even lean into silly if you really love the characters and you can connect with the characters. And that's what I think this book does is I feel connected enough with the characters that these moments that are a little bit more ridiculous I'll, like I'll, I'll allow it <laughs> like yeah. when, when he sings Elvis to her in a bar that isn't a karaoke or in a restaurant that isn't a karaoke restaurant that would be the most cringy moment I would think in someone's whole life and it's supposed to be like this very emotional and I'll allow it because I think that like these two characters are like built well enough that like it's okay but <laughs> See, in for me that's a swoon moment Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what I would do if someone did that to me. I I mean, I thought it was so sweet because he's calculating in his head. That, you know, I really just want to show her how invested I am in. I am in her and it, that I, I'm all in. Um, So I was kind of annoyed that she ran out. But at the same time, they're both in their early to mid 30s. You if you've made it to your earlier to mid thirties without some sort of baggage or like emotional damage, congratulations, like good on you. I think you're rare. Yeah. <laughs> so like watching that play out, I, I thought it was cute and swoon worthy. Oh, I forgot. Least believable moment when she keeps trying to pressure him to tell him about the sleep with her, him bet. 
or sleep with her bet and he says yes i'm in love with bank my sister-in-law <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah that was a little bit out of nowhere um i did like that idea of she refused to ask him a direct question and there's a scene later where liza says well did you did you just come out and ask him? And she's like, basically, she's like, what does basically mean? And she says, well, I asked him what he wasn't telling me. And then he just kept confessing to other stuff, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is very true to life in like relationships. Cause I mean, I'm married and we have conversations where I have something very specific on my mind that I would like him to own up to or apologize for or whatever that I won't say out loud because I want him to know what I'm (laughs) mad about without me saying it. And (laughs) that's, it's absolutely not a fair thing to do to the person you're with, but it's a hard instinct to like over, it's like a very adult thing to overcome it and just be direct. Um, And I thought that that was funny. A common romance theme is your love, your boyfriend, your husband, your girlfriend can read your mind and anticipate Mm -hmm. what's bothering you. Yep. And I think this, I, there was a couple of different kind of embracing of tropes in this book, the embracing, they they talk very openly about the fairy tale and is this Mm -hmm. the fairy tale? Um, And I think that this was one of those moments where you almost break the fourth wall a little bit where Min is telling Liza about this and she says, you know, I know it's so easy to say, oh, one simple conversation and this all would have been resolved. But in real life, it's not that easy. You know, you have insecurities. You don't want to get, you, you're you scared you're going to get an answer you aren't expecting. And so instead you just avoid it. And real life is avoiding things sometimes. And I think that is true. Yeah, definitely. Conflict is scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh man, I pulled up my swoonworthy moment. And then, and it wasn't the love me tender moment in Emilio's. It was not. So picture someone in an olive garden, just suddenly singing to you, <laughs> love me tender. And then the whole restaurant turns to look and then they're not even like proposing to you. It's everyone is just happening for no reason. Yeah, I'm still in. <laughs> What was yours? Okay. So I had several. Um, Okay. So one of them is the Bonnie and Roger moment where she calls him over and says, honey, you're going to ask me to marry you, right? And he says, yeah, but I thought I would wait until our one month anniversary so that it wasn't too fast. And just like the absolute like confidence that both of them have in their very cute relationship made me happy. Yeah. Um, There's the, the first time that Min kisses Cal is most of the way through the book and it's because up until that point he has kissed her every time and so she kisses him just kind of off the cuff they they he comes over to her house and she leans up and kisses him and he kind of is taken aback and she's like what did what did I do wrong and he's like nothing that's just the first time that's happened and it, it like registered with him as like a moment and I thought that was very cute I thought it was so sweet and then she felt emboldened by that to kiss him more mm-hmm. yeah and it, yeah. it felt like one of the first times uh well it was really one of the first times she was acknowledging him in her life 
Mm-hmm. Which up until then, like she physically. was trying to convince, right, trying to convince everyone that they weren't going to date, that she wasn't serious about him, that maybe they'd be friends. And so this, that was one of the first times that she kind of broke down the barrier and acknowledged that she wants to be in a relationship with him as much as he wants to be in one with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I mean, but it was obviously the most obvious swoon-worthy moment, but just at the end where he's like, I want to be gallant and wait until this bet is over to prove to you that I love you. And she's like, I don't care. Let's like, screw this guy. I don't want you to lose 10 bucks. She still doesn't know it's 10,000. Like, let's just do this because I love you and I want to be with you forever. I liked that. I thought that was cute. Mm -hmm. And I think there is very nice moments all throughout this story yeah and it and there's very nice friendship moments all throughout the story too um and so that was one of the things i appreciate about this that the friendships felt really real mm-hmm. and like the the scene with bonnie and min where min is still trying to figure out what she wants to do with this relationship and should she really dive in or should she try to back out and Bonnie basically like gives her a pep talk and is like, you need to acknowledge what it is you want. And they just like sob and drink hot chocolate and talk about what they want out of life. And yeah, it would be so easy for that to feel contrived for that whole conversation to feel like you were just forcing a character to have that emotional revelation so you could get to the next step. But I totally, I totally bought it. Yeah. I, and that's such a good call out um, because sometimes I feel like these books don't focus on female friendship as much. You know, it's all about the relation, the main hero and heroine and how they're falling in love. Um, but female friendship is so important too, um, or even male friendship or however you're getting other emotional support that can be so critical to the character and their development. So I think, I really liked how well-developed these were. I also liked that the sister and men's, Diana and men's relationship wasn't just antagonistic. Mm -hmm. They were there for each other in a way that felt authentic. Yep. I think Mm -hmm. that's true. Spinoff characters. So, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, this is a little bit of an interesting one because it's all kind of very tied up with a ribbon by the end. Um, And so there is like a like a chapter at the end where it's like and here's kind of what happens and here's how everyone got their various happy endings and so you kind of know that she isn't going to write another book and spin off with these characters but I think there are still good characters that could have had a spinoff yeah so I felt this out before I read that chapter but I was like oh because I thought Liza and Tony I wanted to see them continue to drift away and drift back together until they figured out they should be together but then in the in her epilogue chapter is that what Mm -hmm. yeah she says that Diana and Tony end up together and um but I also thought Diana would be a good you know she just left someone at the altar um it would be a good follow-up to see what she's up to next. Yeah. And yeah, Diana being Min's sister, who mm-hmm. is not not as quite of a main character as as the friend group, but is still an important like through line in the book. Mm-hmm. Mine was, I would like to see the Bonnie and Roger, like just after the honeymoon. 
like a couple that only dated for a month decided to get married got married within that same couple of month span and now is suddenly living together I feel like that would like two people that care for each other very much but then would be going through all the difficulty of having to like interact in the same space with another human being Mm -hmm. I feel like you would you would get to kind of experience those ups and downs of a new relationship but with a couple that's already committed to marriage and I think that would be like an interesting dynamic yeah there aren't are there a lot of like married romance huh I don't know I don't not that I've read um I think you could do it I think the the hard part is is like people like the build-up and once you're already married like you kind of have to mess up your marriage in order to then have that build-up phase yeah, I was just thinking, I've read ones where their marriage is falling apart and they manage to save it, but mm-hmm. not, yeah, I think that would be, that's a good point because the conflict of being a roommate on top of a conflict of a new relationship, that could be a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Readability recommendation to a friend. Where would you kind of rank this book for that? Um. Wait, can we go back? Did we talk about cliche characters? Ooh, no, but we can. Okay, I hated Cynthia and David. Yeah. And I, like, Cynthia being this scorned lover who was trying to um, cause havoc and, like, break up Cal and men, but really poorly. Like, her whole plan, all of her plans were bad. Yeah, it was mostly trying to use David to make things happen so that she wouldn't have to actually do things herself. Yeah. Um, And she, like, weaponizes sex in a weird way. Yeah. And And her body. Yeah. Yeah. She she wears a halter top to a child's baseball game. Yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, and I also felt like it was very weird that she continued attending Cal's nephew's baseball games after they broke up. (laughs) Absolutely. I was going to say that's another one where in today's age, I feel like you would say, do I need a restraining order against this woman who I broke up with? Yeah. And then just David being a slimy ex-boyfriend when he was like, you're so motherly (laughs) is why we should get back together. You are, you were made to be a mother. Mm -hmm. Gross. Like yeah. that, I'm not swooning for that moment. I don't want to date you now, like just because you think that I should have babies. Yeah. And I do feel like that's something that Jennifer Cruzy, as an author, did a really good job of these characters that we're not supposed to connect with and we're not supposed to like. I flip and loathe them, but I believe them as characters. Like, I can, like, you've met that dude and you totally. hate that dude, right? And so yeah. I think that's such a good. Like, you're compelled by the character, even if you don't like them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I um, I took us back a minute. No, you're but fine. I just wanted to vent about how much I hated the two of them. Yeah. The I mean, I know other... it was obvious, but... Yeah. The only other cliche character that I called out was Nanette, the mm-hmm. mother. But we yeah. kind of talked about her deal. And it's just... It's all of that stuff. And I... One thing that happens a lot in romance novels at least in ones that I've read is a mother character that's disappointed in her daughter for not being pretty enough or not being in the right relationship mm-hmm. and so that that's often like a catalyst for you need to get married you're getting too old you're not pretty right like 
and for some for some reason and I guess it's it just seems to come up in a lot of different romance novels and I guess it allows the character a chance to refute some of that stuff but that's a very mm-hmm. sad relationship to have with your mom <laughs> like yeah my mom is one of my favorite people yeah. and if every time I saw her she you know criticized my underwear and told me to eat an apple and not you know squeeze your arms and told you they were too fat oh gosh yeah, yeah I do think that it it goes beyond like dislike of a character with her for me like I yeah would loathe that human being do you, is the problematic mother like mother trying to get you married I'm just thinking that's um like Mrs. Bennett yeah mm. that is true yeah but Mrs. Bennett at least had good reasons back then if you didn't marry off your daughters and they didn't have any way to have an income then they would all live in a gutter somewhere that's so true we've kept the like must marry off my daughter trope but not the for good benefit for their life trope. right yeah mm. we just don't need it now but it's people still see it as a good catalyst yeah rereadability and this is this is kind of the last thing we like to talk about about books is would we recommend this to someone and would we want to reread it ourselves yeah i would recommend this to someone mm-hmm. and i would say for both of these things i have reread it a handful yeah. of times and i did recommend it to jessica <laughs> amongst <laughs> other friends and so yeah. yes yeah, I like this. And this is one that I come back to from like a nostalgia perspective. Um, and I'll just like read bits and pieces of it, right? Like I'll just go back to like a scene I know I like and I'll just like read through that part. Um, you know, like if you're, if I'm having like a stressed out day. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, frequently reread books, but I could, if I, if I was that person, I would reread this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend this to a friend. It was surprising um, and enjoyable. So I liked it. A plus. I'm glad. And this was your first romance novel? Mm-hmm. What a lucky pick because I feel like it could have gone very poorly. I know, right? Yeah. yeah, I read this and then I was like, what have I been missing that I'm not reading these books? So Jennifer Cruzy has other books as well. So I read my way through a bunch of those and then went, like, went from there. Well, I, I feel like that's why... We, we started talking about it because you feel like you have to either hide or defend your love of romance novels right yeah Yeah. so this podcast is about shouting it out yeah exactly i don't really want to bet you about anything because i can't figure out what i would do (laughs) yeah we said because we did a dare on the last one and we were like maybe we should have a bet and then i was like oh this sounds like work this is not why we read romance novels to make ourselves think of difficult things. No, I, I can't think of anything really for the wear your most creative shoes all week. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I don't wear shoes anymore. We don't ever leave our house. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Did you mean my other slippers? <laughs> Yeah, I'll continue wearing my my fuzzy slippers now that it's cold outside and I need them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we should talk about what our next book is going to be. So we're going to try to do this is make sure we always 
let you guys know in advance what the next book is so that if you want to read along with us um, and have read the book before the episode comes out, which would be awesome. Um, and so our next book is going to be Beauty and the Mustache by Penny Reed. Um, and for me, this will be one I haven't read before. Is that what it is for you too, Jess? That's right. So um, Beauty and the Mustache is a crossover between Penny Reed's Winston Brothers series and her Knitting in the City series. I'm really excited because she likes a lot of my favorite things, which is crafts. Um, Her covers are usually needle cross stitch and she likes bearded men in the Tennessee mountains. So yeah, I'm into all of that. Yeah. So this will be fun. Yes. Also, shout out to our local library for, um, I was in there looking for more romance novels and the librarian there was like, oh, you have to read Penny Reed. She's amazing. So. Oh. Yeah. I love, I know. And I love a good librarian recommendation. That's, I very much miss being able to go walk around the library and like check out the table of librarian recommendations. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. You can find us at OHG Podcast, Obstinate Headstrong Girls Podcast on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then you can also find us on Instagram. Yeah, at Obstinate Headstrong Podcast. Mm-hmm. Or you yep. can just search OHG Podcast and it'll come up that way too. Um, okay. It, I think we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun to do a visual of the cast that we decided on after each episode? Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. So So yes, go there. Tell us what you think about these books. We want to hear other people's opinions on them. And if you have any thoughts about the next book we should read, let us know because we are always looking for more and different romance novels. Absolutely. Yeah. Bye. Bye.